0: Hello everyone. How are you? You don't know what to do with that, right? You thought I was going to say Happy Sabbath. (laughs) Uh, I hope you're doing great. I'm doing great because I love spring. Today is April Fools, Fools. April Fools, April 1st, April 1st, uh, which means spring is in the air. Of course, we live in San Diego, which is like almost perpetual spring, but I love spring. I love spring forward. Anybody here love spring forward? No, okay, just me, great. Me and the young people were like, yes, sunshine. I love spring forward. Uh, It means that there's more day. I love it, I love being outside. I got to be outside this past week and enjoy the sun. So if I am chipper today and you're not, I'm sorry. I'm just going to apologize for that up front. If I get too excited as I'm sharing the Word of God today and you don't like that, I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. It's going to go down. So I'm just giving you a heads up. It's spring. I love it. New things happen in the spring. We're doing new things on our campus. We're excited about that. Next week, I'm just going to invite you right now. Next week on the 8th, we have a special uh, friends, guests that are going to come and lead worship with us. A team of dental students. Uh, They're coming from um, Central California and from Loma Linda and it's going to be awesome. I want you to come and praise with us next Saturday right here on our campus. We're really looking forward to that. Bring your friends. Tell them, hey, we're going to go praise God. So come with me because that's what we do. Right, family? That's what we do. We praise God every Saturday because God said so. (laughs) Got it? All right. So here we go. Let's just get right to it. It may surprise you to know that I played high school varsity basketball. That's right. (laughs) Nice try. No. It may surprise you to know, but I played high school varsity basketball. Yeah, I got some handles. I got some handles. And uh, it won't surprise you to know that I mostly rode the bench, but I was on the team. So I know a little bit about basketball, and today I want to talk about basketball because we just finished March, and you know what happens in March? People call in sick because they got madness in the brain, they're doing March Madness, right? Uh, I don't know if you have any college basketball fans, but basketball is happening, plus the NBA, we don't know anything about that because the Clippers left a long time ago, and uh, we don't care about uh, basketball, we don't care about football anymore, uh, we're all about the pods now, but basketball is in the air and people love it, and I'll know a little bit about basketball. So I want to talk about basketball for a second. And I want you to try to uh, connect with what I'm saying. Does anybody know uh, this face? Okay, we got a few basketball, basketball f- fans in here. But you probably shouldn't know this face because even if you don't follow basketball, his face is like all over the place. His name is? LeBron James, right? It just kind of rolls off the tongue. His parents are smart. They said, let's give him a name that everyone can say it. When they say it, they're going to get automatic street cred. LeBron James. That's how you say it. LeBron James. So this man's name is LeBron James. But his nickname, anybody know what it is? His nickname is King James. King James. Currently, currently, he's the undisputed, currently, currently, undisputed world's best basketball player. I know some of y'all traditionalists, you're all MJ, MJ, he don't play no more, just in case you didn't know. LeBron James wears the crown. They call him King James. And last year he won the NBA title and all the accolades that go along with it. That's King James. He's on every TV, Sprite commercials, he's all over the place. You're using his stuff and drinking his stuff and you don't know him, but that's his face right there. It's weird. It's weird. He, he's not good looking. I didn't hear that, but okay. Uh, but there's a thing, like if you ever seen him smile, his ears light up, and not just his face, and, and he's, he's marketable, he's making lots and lots of money, plus he's got the, the goods to back it up. I'm, I'm telling you, okay, some of y'all don't basketball players, you're like, you don't care. But see, LeBron James does things like this. You see that? Uh, that's him with the ball. Um, that's him with the ball. Uh, and he does things like this. He's like walking on air. You see the guy underneath going, Oh no, King James About to get posterized. And um, and he does things like this. Like Get out of my face. You see that? The guy's coming to get and he's like, Nope. And then he does things like this. Oh Just put an elbow on him. And then, I don't know, see, he's wearing a mask. See the uh, guy that there with number 19? He's like, King James. He's like, King James. This is what he could do. He is the world's best basketball player. He climbs through the air and just uh, uh, throws the ball down in these thunderous dunks. If you ever watched him play, it's like uh, watching a man play amongst boys. He's like big. He's fast. He just subs people around. Yeah, he's kind of a crybaby too, but oh well. his name is King James and he is currently the world's undisputed best basketball player. Uh, whether you care about basketball or not, uh, he's got influence uh, the world over, LeBron James. And like I'm saying, when you, when you go home, you want to impress your kids, you're like, yeah, I know LeBron, just say it, go ahead. And we're like, ooh, you know, street cred right away. Because LeBron James. Yeah, um, but, but most of the world knows about him but can you guess who this is? Yeah, that's his son. That's his son. His name is LeBron James, Junior. <laughs> Junior. Nicknamed Brawny. Actually, you want to know what his nickname is? Prince James. <laughs> Prince James. His father is King James, and the son here is named Prince James. Now, you don't have to know anything about basketball, um, but look at here. He has two boys. That's LeBron with the shades. Uh, that's, uh, uh, that's Prince James there with the little fadeaway thing he's doing right there. Um, You don't have to know anything about basketball, but just for a second, I just showed you what King James does. And then he named his son or nicknamed his son Prince James. Now, do you think that was a good idea? Can you imagine what it's like to be Prince James. Well, on the one hand, your dad is a multimillionaire, travels the world over, and the world's basketball best player. He demoralizes and destroys grown men with the ball. Uh, but you're his son. Can you imagine? But but he named you Prince James. Well, the thing is. That Prince James is a basketball player too. In fact, he's uh, he's about ten, a little over ten, and he's getting college offers already. People are trying to market him and talk about him. Um, I mean, he's King James' son, right? Like, you expect stuff from him, he's, he's King James' son. The only problem is that if your father is great, there's going to be some expectations that you will also be great. You with me? You with me? Can you imagine being King James' son? Can you imagine being Prince James? On the one hand, you're like, yeah, that'd be awesome, but think about it for a second. Could you carry that crown? I know that maybe your father wasn't a great basketball player but have you ever felt the pressure to live up to your father's expectations? Have you ever felt the pressure to do as well as he did or she did? Have they ever told you, because I did it, you should be able to do it too and better? Well, see, here's the thing. Little Brawny. Brown, brown, little Brawny. Prince James is playing ball. He doesn't know any better. But the world is taking notice. And so are other people. Just a few days ago, an article was published in the USA Today where they asked another father of basketball players. His name is LeVar Ball. Uh, you don't have to know anything about that, but his, his son plays for UCLA. He's, he's really good. He's going to be an NBA superstar. And they asked this man about this boy. And here's his answer, which was published in the USA Today. He said, He said this You got LeBron, and it's going to be so hard for his kids because they're going to look at them like you got to be just like your dad has anybody ever talked to you like that or just like your mom you got to be just like your dad and after a while that pressure starts sitting on you like why do I got to be like him why can't I just be me and I'm reading this and I'm thinking somebody in the room is going to identify with that uh, you may not be there yet, but I know that there's some of you in the room that, that you had that conversation where your mom and dad sat you down. Maybe they're sitting you down right now and they said, this is what you've got to do. This is the path you've got to follow. You've got to be a nurse because I was a nurse. Or they might say things like, you've got to be a doctor because I couldn't be a doctor. And you're sitting there thinking, why can't I just be me? And look, and he says, this is LaVar Ball, he says, and they're going to be like, ah, you're soft, you're not that good because the expectation is very, very high. Has anyone ever expected anything out of you, friends? Has anyone ever expected anything out of you? Now, I know I'm talking to a family here, and some of y'all are down the road, and some of y'all are just coming up. But I think we can all identify with the weight of expectation. Maybe when you were little, someone told you you were gonna be something special. Maybe when you were little, your mom, dad, uncle, or teacher said, I see something in you. And someday you're gonna grow up to be great. And as you grew up, you felt the weight of that. Maybe you're living under expectations right now. See, I I tend to think like there's a constant barrage of expectations in our lives. And the thing that we find, especially those of us that live here in the Western world in the U.S., is that the more you do, the more you are expected to do. You with me? Somebody say amen about that, yeah? Okay, look, I'm just gonna break it down for you. Look, look, look. When your child Utters their first syllable. Duh. You're like, oh, no, no, no. Da, da. <laughs> right? When your child takes the first step, you don't go, okay, good, we're done. That's good enough. You're like, okay, come to me, come to me. Right? Right? When you get your first paycheck, your parents are like, <laughs> 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 yeah, just catching on see the more you do the more you are expected to do amen like that's the thing that's the thing about this life it's just more begets more the first time you did something, it brought a great response. But the next time you do the same thing, there is a diminishing return on the investment. You with me, guys? The first time you brought your girl flowers, it was like, "Oh!" But the second time you're like, eh. <laughs> "And in time your wife is like, "Why are you even bother? You know I don't like roses." <laughs> did I say that out loud? This is the truth, friends. There is a continuing increase in expectations in our lives. At every point in your journey, you're having to answer questions that define who you are, what you're capable of, and what you will accomplish. Think about it. Think about it. When you were very little, you asked a bunch of questions like, why, why, why? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? and eventually as you grew up you got answers to that you begin to ask other questions when you were in your teenage years you were like who am I as I put my hair down over my face and pull up my pants who am I (laughs) and then you got a little older you got more confidence and you had to ask more significant questions what am I going to do what am I going to major in the pressure What are you gonna grow up to be? What are you gonna study? What are you gonna do? It's so much pressure. Somebody say amen. You're there, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, ah, what if I make a mistake? And your parents say, when is that paycheck coming? (laughs) I'm tired of, I'm tired of paying for your stuff. When are you gonna be on your own? Somebody say amen. There you go, when are you gonna be on your own? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And as you get older and you go down that path and you actually do something, the questions change, right? Come on. Some of you are like, what have I done? <laughs> There's this constant pressure to do more and to do it right. It builds in us. But can you imagine being LeBron James' son? As Labar Ball says, as he gets older, it's going to be so hard. Those things weigh so heavily. Some of you will know what I am to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about today. The weight of expectations that are upon your life. Whether you're at the very beginning or closer to the end. There's always a growing amount of expectations upon all of us. We live under the pressure. Each and every day, you wake up, some of you, each and every day you wake up, and you don't want to go where you're supposed to go, but you are expected to go. Yes? You don't want to get in the car and put on the uniform and suit it up and go, but you are expected to go because family is dependent on you, because co-workers are depending on you, because you are depending on you, because you said to somebody when you left that house, I'm going to be somebody, and you watched me, and now you put the expectations on yourself. And this is our life, friends, that we, we're created and made with expectations. And for some of us, the weight of that is crushing, crushing. So I think we can relate to the story I'm about to read to you. And just follow along with me, it's in the book of Luke, chapter one just gonna go to it you read along when you catch up in the sixth month Luke chapter 1 verse 26 in the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee and to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph you'll recognize the story already a descendant of David and the virgin's name was Mary and the angel went to her and said greetings you are highly favored the Lord is with you sounds like a good greeting to me but Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered "Uh uh-oh what kind of greeting is this because when ladies when a man says something nice to you (laughs) alarms should go off in your head it's biblical it's right there (laughs) greetings you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary's like, well, wait a minute. I know you're an angel and all, but what do you want? <laughs> Mary was greatly troubled. She said, what kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Have you ever wanted to find favor with God? Do you want it now? you have found favor with God you will be with child and you will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus for he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end okay you know you've heard this phrase before just put yourself in Mary's shoes for just a second a you ain't married and this is a big gender reveal right off the bat. No cake, uh, no YouTube video, just like, by the way, you're pregnant, it's a boy, his name is Jesus. Okay, that's one thing, but I don't know if you caught the rest. You will give birth to a son, and he will be the son of the Most High God. And his kingdom, unlike King James's kingdom, which will come to an end, will never end. His kingdom will never end. It's one thing to like have to deal with the whole pregnancy by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to make it clear that y'all know it only happened one time. Alright? <laughs> so if you know somebody in your life are like, I don't know how yeah, it only happened one time by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's just get that out the way. <laughs> it's one thing to find out you're carrying a baby you never, you know, never been married, carrying a baby, it's gonna be a boy. But it's another thing to find out, by the way, angel's words, that the baby you're carrying is the son of the most high God. Imagine about the pressure. Look, I know there's a thing, like there's like a mommy thing these days, right? All Mommy shame and mommy guilt and the pressure mommies put on each other to raise good kids. Y'all with me? You know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, don't go on Facebook ever. And you might be spared some guilt and some shame. There's this thing, but you know, what it is. You're in the store and there's a little dude, little boy running around. It's usually my son running around. And you're like, Where is that boy's mother? Right? You with me? Oh. You're at a restaurant and some teenager comes. Did your mother teach you something? That matters? Like all the expectations, right? That you're supposed to raise somebody that's good and kind and generous and gentle and manly but sensitive. <laughs> But imagine if you had to raise the Son of the Most High God. Any ladies want to sign up for that? Any man want to say, oh I'll teach him how to be, I'll teach the Son of God how to be a man? (laughs) Sit your butt down, that's you. If you raise your hand, <laughs> may God have mercy on your soul, because, because no one is up to this task, let's be honest, but the pressure is there. You will have a son, he will be named Jesus, and he will, and by the way, the same angel appears to Joseph, the dad, and he says, you will have a son, his name is Jesus. No, you can't divorce her, you have to, you have to father someone else's baby. and he will save his people from their sins. Imagine raising a savior in your household. Just think about the pressure of that. Imagine having to discipline the savior of the world. <laughs> um, did you, did you, did you write on that wall with crayons, uh, Jesus? And he's like, savior of the world? (laughs) Right? Imagine trying to say, listen, can you, um, can you wash the dishes? You know, can you like pitch into the family? And he's like, I'm going to die for you. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's what he did. But look, the Bible says that Mary knew from day one that she was raising the Son of God, so does Joseph. And look, look, flip the page, right? on, The baby's eight days old. <clears throat> this is a uh uh, chapter 2, the baby's 8 days old. We're in chapter 2, verse 23. Uh, the baby's 8 days old. Uh, they're good Jewish parents. They bring the baby to church to do that baby dedication. You, you used to do it early, 8 days. You used to 8 days. And you come in, and, and, and they bring him to be consecrated to the Lord. And look what happens, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 24. And, and they came to offer a sacrifice, keeping with what God had said, so they're trying to be good parents. And now, there, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous man of development, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's that's a word replaced for the salvation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. There was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And this man had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And moved by the Spirit, he goes into the church courts. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do with him what every other parent does, this man shows up. Simeon took him in his arms, a man you never met, grabs your baby, took him in his arms and he says, Sovereign God, as you have promised, you may now dismiss. I can now die in peace. That's where the phrase comes from. I can now die in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. And he's holding the baby. Look, it's one thing like like you got a word from God but nobody knew. Yeah, some of y'all I'm talking about. Because see like some of y'all know that God has said that you're going to do something. You're supposed to do something but mum's the word for a while and you're like as long as nobody knows, nobody knows right? This man shows up and he says, I have seen your salvation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles for the glory of your people. Okay, here you go. You can have your baby. I'm going to go and die now because I've seen it. Imagine the pressure. Now everybody knows. And another prophet that shows up and she says, this child, This is the child. You have to raise someone everybody knows (laughs) is supposed to save the world. It's one thing to like, you know, believe in your kid's giftedness. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're like, my baby's going to be the next, whatever. And everyone's like, (laughs) oh, good Lord, yes. (laughs) It's another thing that people start coming to you and saying your child is going to save the world. Not the word is out. Your child is going to save the world. Imagine the burden of that, the pressure of that. But now imagine being the child himself. Now this is where it gets real for all of us because I know that all of you have been under the weight of somebody's expectation at some point in your life. You may be there right now. You might have a boss that's wanting more out of you. You might have a wife who thinks you can be a better man. You might have a father who says... You need to get your stuff together. You might have a girlfriend or a boyfriend who's waiting for you to, you know, do the right thing. You might have a church that's been telling you to do stuff for them and saying they believe in you. Everyone is living under the weight of some expectation. Some of us have our own expectations. We made a choice, we said, I'm gonna do this thing. Even when everyone else told you, you shouldn't. I'm gonna go into this field, and everyone else said, don't do it. But now you said, no, I will, and I will accomplish. And now you're living under the weight of your own expectation. You made a vow, you made a promise, and now, and so you can understand, and this child was told, since he was this big, you are the savior of the world people, not just as parents. You are the savior of the world. You will save the people from the sin. Can you imagine the pressure of that? Would you be able to carry that? Would you be able to be the Prince James? Would you be able to carry that? See, I'm fortunate in some ways. I told you my parents died when I was ten. So I, I was raised by wonderful people, my aunts and uncles, but they did not have the same expectations for me as they did for their own children. Just the truth. I was free from some of that weight. Uh, my wife and I, we, it's not a joke, but we talk about it. You know, uh, when we got married, she didn't have like a mother-in-law to face up to and have to live under the weight of her expectations. Some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about. But we all have them, and sometimes that weight can be crushing. And Jesus is growing up under the weight of the expectation that he has come to save the world. And the Bible tells us right there in chapter 2. Moving down, verse 41, that is, that is his, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover. In this particular year, when Jesus was 12 years old, 12 years old, they went to the temple to celebrate the feast. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Um, this is serious stuff, but it is a little bit funny. They leave Jesus behind in downtown Jerusalem, and the Bible says that they travel for a full day day thinking that he was in the party and then they realized a full day later where is 12 year old Jesus and I have a 12 year old I have a 12 year old and I can't imagine leaving her in downtown Jerusalem or downtown San Diego for a full day but the Bible says that they didn't even realize He was missing for a whole day. And by the time they could turn around and get back to him, it was at least three days. Moms, dads, you got a teenager in your room, would you leave your teenager, 12-year-old, unattended for three days? Mary, you had one job. (laughs) Raise the baby Jesus, you had one job. Imagine when Mary's thinking like, oh no. I lost the savior of the world. (laughs) By the way, this is the plot story for the original, uh, you know, know, Home Alone, yeah, this. It all comes from the Bible, (laughs) just so you know, so that's that's Mary, ah, Um, Jesus. And the Bible tells us that they go back and three days later they're searching for him everywhere and where do they find him? Where do they find him, family? At church, come on, say it with me. Church. church. Where do they find the baby Jesus? Church. church. <laughs> they go back to church, and Jesus. Is there. They look all over. They're like, well, "Is he in an arcade? Is he like <laughs> in a bowling alley? Did he go get some ice cream?" And then the last place they look is church. I'm making that up, but I think that's how it went down. Uh, the last place they go to is a church because look what happens. They go to church, and and they finally find him after three days. And he's sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. They were like amazed. They're like, whoa. But what is the mom saying? She doesn't go, wow, this is amazing. You're at church? That's like the cool. No, mom says, why did you do this to me? (laughs) Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been so worried because everybody knows that when a child goes missing it is the child's fault! Right? She's like, why did you do this to us? Why have you treated us this way? Why weren't you where you were supposed to be? You are feeling the weight of expectation right there? She's like transferring her expectations onto him, just like some of y'all's parents are transferring their expectations for their unfulfilled dreams upon your shoulders. You don't want to say amen to that, but I know it's true. Some of y'all are feeling pressure to be better parents because your parents were not very good at it. And you're crumbling under the weight of that. And Mary says, I'm a terrible parent, so I'm just going to put it on you. <laughs> why did you do this to me? And Jesus' answer is fascinating. He's like, why were you looking for me? Twelve years old, right? Like, don't you just want to, like, put them on time out? Like... <laughs> Like why would you, why did you even bother look for me? Look, it's right there. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know <laughs> he's a twelve-year-old? Obviously, it's their sarcasm, and I think Jesus rolled his eyes at this thing. He's like, didn't you know? It's like, Psh, duh. Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know where else would I be but in my father's house? Where else would I be but in my father's house? And the Bible tells us that she didn't understand, but she remembered. And then there's this, this tiny description following that, and it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and his stature, yes, but also in favor with God and man. Here's where we're going. And we'll try to land this plane. Here's where we're going. Here's where we're going. Listen, friends. <laughs> Everybody lives under, some, under the weight of some pressure. You have it right now. In fact, some of you came to church today feeling it already. Is that tension in the back? This, this, this pressure, and it's both good and bad. So, without the pressure, like we wouldn't be motivated to do something. But sometimes it's crumbling. and as the, the increase of pressure grows in your life, it is so much. And in this moment, in this story, Jesus is living under this pressure to be and to do. He is the savior of the world, but he's just a boy. But and she's like, "Why are you? We don't understand." And Jesus says, "I have to be about my Father's business because Jesus responds to pressure with purpose." Jesus responds to pressure with purpose. He has to save the world. It is the pressure, yes, but it's also why he exists. And he has known this since he was a child in the same way that you know something about yourself that's always been true about you because it was God's purpose when he made you. And Jesus responds to the pressure with purpose I am about my father's business that is who I am that is what I do so don't bother searching for me anywhere else because I'm gonna be at church Mm -hmm. because I'm about to do my father's business he responds to pressure with purpose and it becomes his passion do you see do you hear in his words I'm about my father's business I have claimed that phrase for my life At times when I needed to figure out who I was, and God spoke that to me, and I realized in my college years, while I was trying to do something else, trying to resolve the issue of what I'm going to do, and who am I going to be, that God said, you already know, you are a father's son. And your purpose was already set a long time ago. And I began to claim that for myself my freshman year at USC. And I began to say to myself, I will be about my father's business. And that's why today I am in church. Because when you respond to pressure with purpose, it becomes your passion. It gives you energy to face it and to overcome it and to fight it. But if you don't understand the purpose for your pressure, it will become your prison. Some of you are living in that prison right now. You're getting up and you're going to work and you're feeling the pressure, but you don't know why you're doing it and you hate it. Some of you are going to school right now and you're feeling the pressure of getting the good grades or getting that degree or getting that career, but you don't know why you're doing it and you hate it and you wish you could get out of it, but it is a prison on top of you. Yes, I went to a pastor's conference this week and they said alliteration was the thing, so I did it all (laughs) peas. Respond to pressure by understanding your purpose and it will lead you to passion you don't, it will become your prison. See, friends, all of us want favor. And what favor is, is approval, support, the liking for someone or something. We all want favor. We all want to get up in the morning and go to work and find favor. We want to be approved. We want to be supported. We all want to find favor in our marriages, in our lives, in our schools, in our relationships. We want to be at a place where we're meant to be. We want to say, this is who I am. It matters. It makes a difference. We want to be passionate. We want to say, yes, I'm going to go out to church today and I'm going to preach my heart out and stuff is going to go down because God made me for this and I'm going to be happy to do it and it will fill my soul that's what I want (laughs) but unless I understand my purpose it feels like a prison I got to go to church today and I got to preach my heart out and may nothing may happen and I will have wasted everyone's time but you see friends I was made for this. I don't like to say that out loud because I realize I put the pressure on myself, but God plucked me out of death's door. And the life I leave is not my own. It belongs to him. And when he comes to calling for it, I wanna say I did it for you. And when I think about it that way, when I claim it that way, all the pressure of being your pastor becomes my passion. I love you. I love Benita. There's so much stuff that we got to do and complete, but it is my passion. I live for this. I breathe for this because God made me for it. And it will no longer be my prison. Today, April 1, it has become my passion. And the Bible says the result of that will be an increasing in favor. If you're in a marriage right now that feels like a prison, I want you to start asking God, why? Why did he give you this woman or this man? And I want you to find your purpose and it will no longer be your prison. She or he will become your passion. If you're in school right now, if you're at a job or at a career that you're feeling the strain, maybe that's not where you're supposed to be. So go where you're supposed to be. And there you will find increasing favor. Because that's the plan of God. The same way he did for Jesus, he will do for us. You wanna know why? Because the same Holy Spirit that proclaimed his purpose at birth is the same Holy Spirit that was present the day you were born. The same Holy Spirit that filled the hearts of Simeon and the prophetess when Jesus was at the temple is the same Holy Spirit that was there that day when that uncle, that pastor, that teacher held you, looked at you and said, you are somebody special. You are going to do great things in the name of God. The same Holy Spirit that caused the heavens to open for God to come down and be with us is the same Holy Spirit that is causing the heavens to open and placing God right inside of you. And it is that same Holy Spirit that wants to increase favor. HE WANTS TO INCREASE YOUR APPROVAL, HE WANTS TO INCREASE YOUR SUPPORT, HE WANTS TO INCREASE THE FAVOR THAT YOU GET. HE WANTS TO GRANT YOUR REQUESTS. HE WANTS TO ENLARGE YOUR BUSINESS. HE WANTS TO GROW YOUR FAMILY. HE WANTS TO EXPAND YOUR HEARTS. IT IS THE SAME HOLY SPIRIT THAT DID IT FOR JESUS THAT WANTS TO DO IT FOR YOU TODAY. BUT YOU'VE GOT TO UNDERSTAND YOUR PURPOSE. WHY ARE YOU HERE? WHY ARE YOU AT THIS JOB? OR IN THIS MARRIAGE? OR IN THIS CHURCH? AND LET ME TELL YOU WHY YOU'RE NOT HERE. YOU'RE NOT HERE TO SIT. You are here to be passionate Amen. about your purpose. And when you do that and I do that, God will increase our favor. Amen. Today begins a new chapter in the story of our church. God wants to increase the favor. We can call it Raise the Roof, that's okay. <laughs> God wants to increase the favor. He wants to increase your influence. He wants to increase your, 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 your patience, your generosity. Your skillfulness, God wants to increase because God is your father and your father never had small dreams for you. He had big dreams. He has big dreams and they feel like expectations until you understand that you were purposely made for that. And suddenly, expectations will just become the roadmap to what will be done. Thy will be done. So ask yourself, coming up friends ask yourself why what is my purpose Jesus says I'm about my father's business what are you about I meant to be in my father's house what house are you meant to be in friends I'm just gonna tell you the honest truth we want you here but if this is not the house that you're meant to be go to the house you're meant to be at I refuse to let this church become your prison And if we're not empowering you and blessing you, then go somewhere where you will be blessed. And there, increase their favor. But if God has called you to be here, friends, if God has called you to be amongst us, if this is the pressure that he has put us under, then let us rise and accept the purpose and let it become our passion and let us move towards God's increasing favor and receive it and go forward and bless and change and transform and grow and ignite. Let us be who we were made to be let us become who god purposed us to be and all the pressure will become fuel for passion and all the expectations will become visions for what will be done what can be done and by god's grace will be done do you believe that do you believe that because i do because i do i believe that about you as i believe it about me this day because god said so Bible tells us, I have knit you together, the psalmist wrote, I have knit you together in your mother's wombs. It takes a lot of hard work if you ever try to knit. It takes a lot. God did that for you. He purposely made you this way, but there's a reason. Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that he has plans for us. He has plans to prosper us and to give us a future. He has good things in mind. Favor, favor, not a little bit. He's not satisfied with your one check. He's not satisfied with your one accomplishment. Why? Because he made you for more, so much more. Today you begin to claim it. So stand and sing with us. And as we sing, just receive it from God. Ask him, God, why did you make me? Why am I here? Why am I in this marriage? And when he tells you, just embrace that and say, yes, it is true about me, even if it's not true yet. Even if the reality has not become yet, embrace it today and you will begin a journey of transformation that will make your life full of passion. That's my prayer for you.